0: want to
1: welcome all of you here this morning. Um, If you're listening online, we know you're there and we're glad that you're taking some time with us uh, this morning as well. For some of you who are online and we're looking for last week's message, it was entitled You Had to Be There. It's part of a new series. So if you weren't here, you just missed out and uh, there'll be others uh, like that. So we encourage you to take some time to spend it with us if you can. Um, We're in a series. We took a break last week from it, but we're in part four of a series called Got Questions? Because we realize that there's so many There's so many questions that we have in life, and then there's some real big ones that really deserve uh, for us to give some time to answer uh, individually and personally. And a lot of times, those are the questions we don't take enough time to really think about, and so we decided we'd chat about that for for a number of weeks. And so we uh, also wanted to encourage you, if you had questions, to either write them down, put them in the mailbox, email them to to us, uh, because we want to know. We don't want to answer questions that nobody's asking. We want to answer questions that people really have, and so uh, there's questions that you might um, get asked by people, and maybe there's questions that, you know, you don't have the answer for, and maybe there's questions you have on the inside that you're just not sure how to ask and you don't have answers for. Uh, so over the last little while, I've been reading Mere Christianity, been watching the Alpha Course, two things that you could uh, find as well, and would encourage you to uh, to, to take uh, a chance to to resource yourself with those things, um, but then listening to the questions that you guys have asked as well and been around uh, other people, and we want to try and answer some of those. So the whole series started with this thought from First Peter. Peter wrote to the believers, and he said this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It means to set him apart in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense, to give a thought-out answer To everyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That idea of as a church, we need to be ready before the questions get asked. Not like, not as Kingsway, you as individuals, when people come across your path, when you share the gospel with people and share, you know, hey, I go to church, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, what about this? And you don't have a thought, you know, you share about Jesus, oh, what about this? And so some of the questions we want to touch on, there's one question I think, I don't know, this one seems to be the big one. Uh, if you, we don't usually do show of hands, but like to just this morning, how many of you have ever been asked, why do bad things happen to good people? How many of you have heard that question before? Just take a look around, keep your hands up. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you've asked it. Or how could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? I can't believe in a God that allows these things to happen to good people. You know, there's so many things that, uh, that happen around us, we just feel like we can't explain. them. so some of the answers that I've heard, you know, I've listened to people share, you know, th- their answers. And some would say, well, you know, we, we just can't understand God's ways. He's higher than us. His thoughts are not our thoughts, you know, or God must have a plan in that tragedy that happened, or God's trying to teach us something, you know, something terrible happens in your life, and it's like, why, how, how can God allow that to happen Well, he's trying to teach you something, or, or this is my favorite, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, it's in the Bible somewhere, actually it isn't, it's a hymn written in the 19th century that just sounds so mysterious, and like, oh, you know, God out there must know why there's Bad things happening to good people. And you can find all kinds of different um, answers online, all kinds of them, even from people saying, you know, things like, well, you know, yeah, God must have a plan and we don't need to know the answer. All we need to do is just try and help those people that are going through uh, difficult things. But this morning, I really want to talk about this question. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I need to put a disclaimer on it before I say anything. I, this is the disclaimer this morning. I want to share some thoughts that I've learned. And, and they're thoughts to challenge you to really think about this question, to really think about the answer to that question, and, and about the answers that you can share. So this morning, the idea is not, hey, here's the answers so that you have them. So you know, the next time someone asks you, you can be like, hey, I know the answer to that. And bam, 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 right? And there you go. You know, or this thought of you know, uh, I'll go ask somebody. Hey, so you know why good things or bad things happen to good people? And like, no, why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I know the answers, and here you go. That that's not the heart of this at all. The heart behind this is that, whole, that you would think about these thoughts and that Holy Spirit would begin to develop things in your heart so that the specific people that you talk to, that you'd, you'd follow his leading from the inside and in answering those questions and drawing them to him. And so here's, here's where we want to start. The first, the first thought is this, is what are people really asking when they ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people or any variation of that? For some, it's about what are they really asking? For some, this really is a stumbling block for people on their journey to God and faith. This really is that thing that's in the way. they they like, I just, I just can't get past this thing that happened to me. I can't get past the fact that God could let me be abused as a child. I, I just can't get past the fact that God took my grandma or took my mom. I just can't. I can't, I can't believe in him with this. And it's really a stumbling block for them. For others, they don't really want to know the answer they're just tossing this out to you because they're pretty sure you don't know the answer. You're like, hey, you know, can I talk to you about the Lord? Well, I just have one question for you. Why do bad things happen to good people? And they're hoping you'd be like, uh, and like, okay, good. Nice to see you. Have a nice day, right? Because we do that all the time. We always ask questions that we don't really want the answer to. You go to the supermarket, they say, hey, how are you? They don't care. You don't need to answer that question. They don't really want to know, you know, and sometimes it's even, it's more blatant than that. My sister-in-law, Melanie, I'm going to use her name because she talks about us sometimes too. So Um, Mel, if you're listening, thanks for this story. She. uh, had some company over uh, years ago. There, pastors, and had some people come visit, and they came for lunch, and so they were chatting, and then after lunch, they stayed for coffee, and so then after coffee, they stayed for dessert, and they had pie, and then they stayed for supper, and then they they stayed for coffee after that, and it was getting late on into the night, like 10, ten, ten, eleven o'clock at night, and so she's like, "We can't get these people out of our house," so she asked them this question: "Would you guys like some more pie?" And they're like, "Oh, yes, please." And she she went and wrapped up the pie with cellophane wrap and stood by the door and said, "Here, take it to go." <laughs> Like, she didn't really care if they wanted more pie. It was something else. And so sometimes it's that idea of understanding what it is, the, uh, what it is that they're actually asking. Because it may be, very well be just a simply a deflective statement of, of, I can't believe in God who allows bad things to happen to good people. And, you know, the, the thing is, the, thing, the thought is this. We can't really debate someone into the kingdom. We can't debate someone into salvation. I've watched online where atheists have debates with Christians. And, the, and sometimes the atheists win, sometimes the Christians win. But I'll tell you what I never have seen yet, where the atheist loses in the debate and says, Oh, you're right. You really have some great answers. I'll accept your Jesus now. Never, It's because it's not this mental battle. And so for some, it's it's this thought of knowing what happens on the inside of a person that Holy Spirit does. And Jesus said to his followers, he says, they are gonna know, the world's gonna know that you're my disciples by your love, not by your answers. Just having the right answers, that's not what it was. And Peter said, when you share these answers, share them with meekness, with fear, with that idea of love behind it. So this question of why do bad things happen to good people, it challenges a couple of things and it assumes a couple of things. And I would encourage you, based on last night's response, you may want to take notes today. Because I'm sure you're going to think we said something that you're going to want to look up and say, oh, I didn't know. So grab a piece of paper and a pen, but here's a couple of things. It challenges a couple of things. For instance, this question challenges the existence of God. I can't believe in a God who. It also challenges the goodness of God, that God is the one uh, behind it. The question also assumes that there's a couple of things. It assumes there's evil in the world that can happen to good people. It assumes that there are good people in the world that evil's happening to. And it assumes that God in some way has his hand in the evil that is happening to these good people, which many of you may Think of yourself to be. And so I want to touch on three thoughts today to help answer that question, to help at least dig down deep. And here's, here's a few thoughts. Why do bad things happen to good people? Number one is this. We live, in a, we live in a broken world that's governed by sin. We live in a broken world governed by sin. I, I think it's important that we give credit where credit's due. You know, we hate it when, when credit doesn't go to the right places. You know, you work for a company and you're working so hard and then your manager takes credit to the boss for what you did. You know, you did all the work, and they're the ones who get, like, well done, and like, yep, no problem, they didn't, and they don't give you the credit. The other thing is we ha- hate being blamed for things we didn't do, you know? So, like, here's my thoughts, you know, we hate being blamed for things like uh, uh, who's in political power right now, you know? It's like, uh, don't blame me, I uh, voted conservative, um, Things that, you know, you hear and see in the States, these protests of these people angry, you know, the, uh, for being, you know, we, we didn't vote in this person. It starts as kids, too. You know, my kids, it's, it's the, 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 probably the most worded thing in our house. The most common words are, don't blame me. It was Finner. It's uh, always the youngest. Sorry if you're a youngest child, but that's what it is. But you know what? Sometimes we blame God for things that he didn't actually do. And so I want to take a look at that this morning. What did God do? What did God do? We believe that God created a perfect world, and then something ruined it. And we all have that. Whether you're like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that God created the planet. Then I want to ask you to take a look on the inside for a second, because each and every one of us has this perfection hardwired in us. You know how we know that there's perfection hardwired in us? We know that stuff's not right. It's like, this shouldn't be. If we, if we didn't have perfection hardwired in us, we'd be okay with all of the bad stuff that happens, because that's just normal. We, we wouldn't have this understanding that that's broken. We would just have the understanding, well, that's just life. You know, the fact that we even know what evil is or the fact that we know what fair is tells us that there's a God or someone who put that thought in us. Otherwise, we'd have no idea what unfair or what evil was. You know, we know that murder is evil. Why? Because we know it's against, there's something on the inside of us that knows that that's, it doesn't matter if somebody thinks, you know, a serial murderer thinks, oh, it's okay for me. We all think that's not okay. It's not okay for you either. We don't think child abuse. No one ever thinks child abuse is okay. We don't think that the Holocaust was okay. We don't think that death is fair. Because it goes against that thing of perfection that's hardwired in us. Because we've been created in the image of God. And understand there's a part of perfection on the inside of us. And so we know that evil and fair and all these things, they actually point to God's existence. So when someone asks this question, I can't believe in a God that could do bad things to good people or allow bad things. In their question, it's pointing to this existence of God, and we believe that God created the planet perfectly, and then something ruined it, and here's what happened. God created the planet perfectly, and then he gave men the rule over it. This is what's so, so important. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us, created perfect, like him. It says, they will reign Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. And in the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. It was God creating this top of the food chain. We didn't evolve to become the top of the food chain. He put us there. And he says, here's the thing, I'll create this perfect planet, and now I'm going to give it to you as people to manage and 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 rule it. The perfection was broken the, the, the second that man chose sin over God. And for some, it's this thought, like, so what? they ate an apple. Who cares? How, how is, why is it such a big deal that Adam and Eve in the garden ate an apple or why? And whether you believe in that story or not, it's this idea. What's the, what's the big deal of, of this thing? And I'll tell you what the big deal is, and it's this: Man became broken in that moment. We weren't broken before. Man became broken in that moment, became separated from God. And the Bible says in Romans chapter five that by one man's disobedience, one man's decision, sin spread to everyone. And from that point, every person has been born into sin and brokenness. I know you see this baby, you think, that baby's cute. But you can see that it's a sinner. Just look at its eyes. You can see in its eyes, right? Like, that, thing's, that baby's planning something. And You know, when you think about this being born into sin, we're like, wait a second. That's, she's so cute. He's so cute. I'm not even sure. But, but the thing is, you know, you don't have to teach that baby how to be selfish. You're never going to have to teach that baby to sin. They, it's naturally in there already because we're born into this brokenness, and, and that brokenness is spread to everyone. Man became broken the second that they chose sin, and then this. Here's the bigger part. It wasn't just that. Man gave rule. which God had given to man, man gave rule, handed the keys of authority over this planet to Satan in that moment. Because God had given to men, and men gives authority. Now, here's why that matters. Because a lot of people think, well, I thought God was in control of everything. Ever heard that thought? I think God's in control of everything. We, we, we'd sing it as kids. He's got the whole world. He's got the whole wide world. I hate to tell you that that's not 100% true. You're like, wait, well, just listen. For instance, here's a thought. God created the planet, and it says he holds the, 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 the seas in his hand. And in that sense, he holds it in his hand. But for some, they take that to the thought of, that God is controlling everything that's happening on the planet, that God is actually moving the pieces, and he's in control of everything. But if it's true, and just think with me, if it's true, then he's a terrible manager. Why did he put all of the food in North America and so little of it in Africa? Why is there so much poverty and, and, and starvation in places when there's enough food on the planet to feed everyone? We would think that a great manager would have figured that out. We could have figured that out. What about the things that there's disease running rampant in, in countries and then all the health care and all the people who understand medical things are all in another part of the planet? How is this, how is this possible? If God's managing everything, you know, why, why are poverty and starvation, disease and hunger allowed to exist on this planet? If we think about those thoughts, we would actually think that that sounds much more like, you know, something evil is running the planet if starvation, poverty, disease, hunger, death are happening. Wouldn't you agree? You don't have to nod. Just think. You know, and you're like, Mark, I can't believe you said that. You know, that the devil is actually the one running the planet, not God. But I'm not the only one to say that. There's a man named Jesus who uh, also said this very same thing. Jesus referred to the devil as the prince of this world. In John chapter 12, he said, the prince of this world's coming. He, he's, he's, he's here, but he has nothing on me. He told his disciples, it doesn't matter if he's the prince of the world. He has nothing on me. He might be ruling the planet, but he's got nothing on, on me. And you know, you think about this and you think, like, well, I don't know. That's uh. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan... remember the story, Jesus in the desert being tempted by Satan? What what does he do? He takes Jesus to this place. He says, look out over the whole planet. He says, see all the kingdoms of the world. See all of their glory. If you'll bow down and worship me, Jesus, I'll give it all to you. How can you give away something that you don't actually own? See, because Satan really does have rule over this planet. And because men gave it to him. And so sin and Satan are ruling this planet. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, the earth is under enemy occupation. It wasn't created that way. It was created perfect, but the enemy has now invaded. And it's why, you know, you think about people that are fleeing their country, refugees fleeing their country. Why? Because it sucks living under enemy invasion. And the same thought is for us when we experience the pain and the hurt and the things that are going on, the bad things happening to good people around us. It's like this idea that we are in that enemy occupied territory. And here's the crazy thing. The residents of that enemy-occupied territory have joined in the rebellion against heaven. Every time any one of us has chosen willfully to sin, we've joined the other side. We've joined rebellion. It says, you know, the other thought is that the residents from that point on, all of them have been born into slavery, born into this, um, this uh, and held in slavery awaiting freedom. It's, it's what's happening that, that man gave the keys, gave authority to Satan. And here's the other thought. Man also brought a curse on creation when that happened. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, and to the man, God said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, and don't just take this out of context, men, this is not for you. It says, to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, he says, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. And for some, they thought, oh, thank you, you know, thank you, Adam, now we have dandelions and weeds, you know, and we've got to create things like Roundup and and everything else, Simply because of Adam's sin, the ground is now cursed. It's bigger than that. Paul wrote to the Romans in the New Testament. He explained it to them this way. In Romans chapter 8, verse 20, he says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. He's referring to this time when Adam handed it over to, uh, to Satan and to sin. He says, against its will, all creation. All creation was subjected to God's curse. And what's the curse? It's the law of sin that leads to death. The whole creation is under this thing everything dies everything is decaying but it says this but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay because we know that's what we've been rescued from as followers of Jesus it says in verse 22 for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time what does that mean how many of you had a baby does it hurt I've witnessed it. It looks like it hurts. <laughs> this, is, this, is what, this is what Paul is saying, that the whole planet is in pain because it's, it's being affected by this sin, and it's still in pain and groaning right up until this point. It's like the planet is sick, and every once in a while it throws up. And we, you know, that throwing up, it was what we would call these things called like natural disasters. Because, you know, when we see a natural disaster, what do they call natural disasters? They call them acts of? <laughs> acts of God. Even your insurance company won't, won't insure things that are acts of God. Because we think, oh, you know, if those things happen, your insurance company's smart. They're like, in case God's trying to teach you something, we don't want to put our money up against that. Right? And so this idea that these are acts of God, and it's like, again, giving credit maybe where it's not due. Because, you know, for some, when a when, uh, number of years ago, 10, 10 years ago where the, um, in Haiti, where the earthquake hit Haiti, do you know what was being said? That God is judging that nation for its sin of voodoo. That's why that earthquake happened there. When the tsunami happened over in Asia, that the word was you'd see it all over the headlines from Christians. God is judging that area because of their human trafficking and child exploitation. That's why they all got wiped out. When New Orleans was hit by Hurricane Katrina, what was it? it was, it's a hit there because of Mardi Gras. You know, the party to the devil. That's why it hit that area. Thinking, you know, it sounds maybe, yeah, that God is judging sin, but the New Testament doesn't teach that. The New Testament doesn't teach that God is judging places and countries anymore for their sin. See, in the Old Testament talked about things like that. And the New Testament says that God poured out all his wrath on all the sin of the world on the cross where Jesus died. That's where all the judgment was paid for. God's not judging people and he's not judging the planet right now. We're in this window of time where that's not happening. But it says that, you know, that that there is going to be a day of judgment coming. In Romans chapter 2, Paul says to the Romans, he says, you can be storing up for yourselves judgment. If you think you can keep living in sin and and not um, following Christ or living a life of repentance, you're storing up for yourselves wrath in the day of judgment. It's not right now, but it's coming. And so when people think, you know, these, these incredible natural disasters that wiped out thousands of people, how could God allow that to happen? I can't believe in a God that would allow that to happen. I'm telling you something. The planet itself is responding to the effects of sin. It has nothing to do with God doing it at all. Natural disasters are not evidence that God is not good, and it's not evidence that he doesn't exist. Natural disasters are simply evidence that sin is running and ruining our planet. There's sickness, pain, evil, death all over this planet as a result. Could it be that some of the bad things happening to good people can be attributed to that? Okay, so natural disasters, maybe that is just a thing, whatever. But what about people? What about the Holocaust? What about 9-11? What about ISIS beheading Christians overseas? How can God, if he's good, allow that to happen? I don't know if you've ever asked this question. I don't know if you've ever you know, thought about it. But this idea of, you know, what about the things that happen to you? You know, how could God allow my uncle to abuse me? How could God allow, you know, my wife to leave me? How could God allow these things to happen? Why didn't he stop it from happening? If God's so powerful, why didn't he stop it? And I want to introduce this thought to you. The second thought is this, there's bad things happening to good people because of this thing called free will. Free will it's one of the greatest gifts and it's the most powerful catalyst of evil on this planet. And again, giving credit where credit is due. We have the opportunity to make choices that result in consequences, good and bad. Do you know what's funny? People rarely blame God for all the good stuff that's happening. You know, your crops grow as, they had, as you had hoped. You harvested everything and all went, uh, you know, all went well. No credit. You know, you get some pest that comes in and destroys your crop. God, why could you let this happen to me? It's true. As soon as something bad happens, a finger gets pointed skyward. God, how could you? And I find it challenging, you know, where someone would think that they could smack a, smoke a pack, smack a poke, smoke a pack of cigarettes. Smoke a pack of cigarettes every day, and then when they get lung cancer, it's like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? When somebody mistreats their spouse, and their spouse leaves them, and they're like, God, how could you let this happen to me? I prayed. I prayed. As they're walking out the door, you know, having sex and then saying, oh, it was one time, God, how come you let her get pregnant? Or How come I got an STD? God, why did you do this to me? Why are you? Why are you doing this to me? Thinking God said, you know, you should marry that person. I felt I knew it was God told me. And then you find out what they're really like. And you're like, you know, God, how could you do this to me? All of that evil in the world, all of that bad things that happen can be attributed to choices that we made. It has nothing to do with God at all. But what about when others hurt us? And here's the biggest one. Why didn't God stop them? You know, we think about the Holocaust. We have this thought that God should have stepped in. If God was good, wouldn't, wouldn't, and again, just, just to answer this question on the inside, do you think God should have stepped in and stopped Hitler when he killed 11 million people. Don't we think that a good God should have stepped in? Six million of them were Jews, his, his people. 1.1 million were children. Shouldn't God have stepped in? Yes or no, and you, you know, make your thoughts. But the second thought is this. Should God have stopped the pilots from flying into the Twin Towers? 3,000 people died. Shouldn't God have stepped in and stopped them? What about the bus driver in India who drove over a cliff taking 300 people with him to to their death? Wouldn't we think God should have stopped that driver? That was 300 people who shouldn't have had to die. What about the drunk driver in Vaughan who's on trial this week for three children that died with their grandfather because he chose to drink alcohol and drive? Should God have stepped in and stopped him for three? What about the person who murders their spouse or their child? These people were innocent. Shouldn't God have stepped in to stop them? What about the man who rapes a woman? Shouldn't God have stepped in to stop that? What about the woman who beats her stepson? Shouldn't God have stepped in to stop that? And we keep going down. Where does it end? What about the time that you lied to your spouse? Should God have stepped in? What about the time you sped on your way to church? Should God have stepped in? The time that you stole something from work. The time that you cheated. The time, at what point should God have not stepped in anymore? See, the problem is we can't have it both ways. The only way that God has a hand in any of those evil things is that he gave us free will. The only way that God has a hand in any of that is that he gave us free will and then it's on us. And you know, uh, for some it's this idea of the sovereignty of God. God's in control of everything. Think about that for a second. Sovereignty means supreme ruler, possessing supreme or ultimate power. And we would say, yes, God is supreme. He has ultimate power. He's God. And for some, they'll take that statement and say the next one, then if God has supreme authority, then whatever happens is God's will. I want to challenge you with this thought that maybe it isn't. You know, the king is sovereign over his country. That's every king, every leader is sovereign over their country. But wouldn't we agree that every decision made in that country isn't based on them? They're not making every single decision in every single home of every single person in their country. They just rule over the whole country. And this is a tough one for people to understand sometimes, but C.S. Lewis said this, anyone in authority, it doesn't matter, anyone in authority, different quote, sorry, understands that something can be in accordance with your will in one way and not in another. Something can be in accordance with your will in one way and not with another. For instance, I can tell my children that it's my will in my home that they would keep their rooms clean. That's my will. But I'm also saying I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to clean your room. My will and my desire is that the rooms would be clean, but I'm asking them to do it. And I'm giving them the choice to do it or not to do it. And so usually, anytime you give people a choice to do something, half the people are going to choose not to do it. Right? And so the fact is this. The fact is this. If I give them the chance to, to, you know, you make something voluntary and then, you know, people don't do it, that's not what I willed, but it's what my will has made possible. See, God's sovereign, and that's, that's true. And I, I figured just to help you, I'm a guy with pictures, so it helps me a little bit. I want you to picture this, this big circle as God sovereign over everything. God is in control. He rules his will over everything. And then he, because he's um, sovereign over everything, he creates this thing right here called free will. This space in all of God's ultimate control he creates this space where he says, you know, because I'm in control, I can make this space. I can allow this space that where the decisions that you make result in consequences, both good and bad. Do you know what? It's the Bible is full of it. God's will doesn't always happen. We think because God's in control, his will is always happening. Do you know that the Bible says that God's will is that not any person should perish, but that all would come to repentance? That every single person, your family, everyone would come to repentance. How many of us know that that isn't happening? Wait a second, that's God's will, but it's not happening. Why? Because that falls into this little box called free will. And it's why, you know, these ideas that things result in good and bad things happening to us because of the choices we make. It's why Solomon pleaded with people and said, choose wisdom, young people. Choose wisdom in in how you live your lives because there's consequences of it. There's bad things that can happen to you because of the choices that you make. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because of this thing called free will. Well, why would God, if he loved us, give us the chance to do such harm to ourselves? Why would he give us free will? C.S. Lewis said this, because free will, though it makes evil possible, it's also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. You know, if your spouse has to love you, is that love? (laughs) If your children have to love you, is that love? Not really. If all of those things, we become meaningless. Everything becomes meaningless if we don't have free will. If we don't have it, but he says he gave us free will because it, it gives us a chance that we can have a loving relationship with him. It was the only possible way for that to happen. And so this last thought, why do bad things happen to good people? It assumes that there's good people on the planet. You know, that when we say this sentence, we somehow think that we don't deserve to experience the evil in our lives. We don't deserve that. And in this scenario, we paint the picture this way, that God is somehow evil doing things to us, and we are somehow good and not deserving it. It's this thought that, God, you're evil, and and I don't deserve it. You know what? The Bible just says it's just not that way. Romans chapter 3 says this, as scriptures say, no one, how many? No one's righteous, not even one. No one's truly wise. No one's seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Ray Comfort, who's got this, um, this video called The Atheist Delusion on, on YouTube. I would encourage you to check it out and watch it. It's incredible. But he asks people, he says, you know, do you think you're a good person? And people are like, yeah, I think I'm a good person. And so he gives them this goodness test. You know, Jesus, who's the epitome of good, even those who don't believe that he was God would say, oh, yeah, Jesus was a good person. He would hold people to a standard. And, you know, Ray Comfort just simply asks people, who say, yeah, I'm a good person. He's like, and I'm going to ask you guys, Because I think a lot of people here would say, you know, we're probably good people. Um, We're in church, of all things, you know? Uh, How many lies have you told in your life? You just told a third. (laughs) A few. How, How many of you have stolen anything? You don't have to raise hands. It's okay. For some of you, I've never stolen anything. Have you ever downloaded music off the internet that's not yours? <laughs> ever borrowed something from work and not returned it? hmm And then Jesus says, you know, it's not about even just the things you do. It's about the things you think and about the things in your heart. He says, you know, if you hate someone, if you wish you could murder them, he says, that's the same as murdering them. He says, because if you, wouldn't, you would do it if you knew you weren't going to get caught. He says, you know, I'm not going to ask how many of you have hated somebody. And then it gets really awkward in the next one where Jesus says, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Because if you have, who said every day? <laughs> if you look at a woman with lust, he says, you've committed adultery with them in your heart. You know, he's saying, listen, it's not even just what you do, it's what you think. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Still on the, still on the goodness test. Anybody use OMG? Have you ever taken his name in vain? And so as he see the nods and even some of the brave hand raisers, we would say, you know, that we look at, at this place and we realize that we've got a whole bunch of lying, thieving, adulterous murderers at heart who blaspheme the name of the Lord just in Kingsway Church alone. See, we think we're good people, but he says, you know what? There's no one, there's no one good. We pretty quickly, we all fail the goodness test. Romans chapter 2 says this. Paul wrote to them and says, And we know that God in his justice, not in his anger, Not because he's bad, not because he's mean, because he's just, because he's a good judge. He'll punish anyone who does such things that we just talked about. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think that you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Then verse 4, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see... That his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. Can't you see that his goodness is there to turn to, to, to bring us to repentance? See, we deserve punishment. It's not that there's any good people that don't deserve evil. It's the opposite. We're bad people who deserve punishment. And we're fortunate we don't get what we deserve. So when they ask questions, why do bad things happen to, to, to good people? Here's, here's some thoughts. There's bad news and good news. The bad news is this. That sin and Satan... And the choices we make bring bad things into our lives. All of those things are bringing evil into our lives. But the good news is this, that God is good. That in spite of the fact that we find ourselves there, there is a, there is a God who is good. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient he is? Here's the thought I'm going to leave you with this morning. If we saw a fireman running into a burning building to save those inside, what would we call him? We would call him good. We would think he's courageous because we wouldn't do it. And what if that man going inside, what if he died as he was pushing everyone else to safety? Everyone else escapes and he dies in that fire. What would we do? We would have thousands of people come around to honor him as a hero. Now, my question is this. What if you're the person inside the building? What if you're the person inside the burning building and he used his life to push you to safety? You know, you would... uh, (laughs) As he died and pushed you to safety, you would call him your savior, your savior. You wouldn't say as he rushed in there, you know, hey, why did you let this fire happen? You wouldn't say, I'm not letting you rescue me because I'm pretty sure you lit this fire. For some of us, that's that's what's happening in this thing. Because here's why this question matters so much to me. That why do bad things happen to good people? Because what happens is we want to paint the picture that God is bad. And that we don't, you know, when people are finding themselves in that place where they need a savior. They don't want to reach out to one who's portrayed as this evil person. Who's putting them through this. Who's doing all of this to them. To test them, try them, something. But they can't find an answer. So the question and the thought today is this. What if we're the person inside? What if we realized that this gift of free will, that Adam helped, but we have also turned that gift of free will into a prison that we now find ourselves trapped in. That the bad things that, that happen as a result of the choices that we made that we no longer want now entrap and enslave us. And what if we've pictured that, you know, we're stuck in there and it's on fire as well. That there's no chance of us getting out of this thing uh, alive. We've, what if we thought and realized That that has become a prison and that he's the one who rushed into that fire that we lit to save us. When I think about that, that God in his goodness sent his son Jesus to save a world trapped in evil, trapped in bad things. It's just what God in his goodness did for you and did for me. Here's your final thing. Bad things happen to good people or just to people in general because of choices, sin, and Satan. A good God came to this broken, sin-filled planet. He gave his life, gave his life to rescue people who were trapped in sin of their choice. And he gives us the opportunity to repent, to turn from that and receive the gift of salvation, to reach out to to his hand of salvation. My question this morning is, if you're the one asking that question on the inside, and that's been the stumbling block on the way to you and, and faith, Are you that person today who needs to receive that gift of salvation? Are you the one who realizes, oh, you know what? Yeah, I've given credit to the wrong places. I need a savior. I realize I'm in a place where there's all this evil around me, but I'm a part of that. And I realize I'm trapped in that and I want salvation. It's there today. It's there today. Just to simply reach out to him that there's a good God. And my last thought for you is this. For all the rest here, your followers of Jesus Christ, pray that you would just um, think about these things so that the next time someone brings up this thought to you, hey, why do good things, you know, why do bad things keep happening to good people? That you might have the opportunity to engage that person with Holy Spirit on the inside to possibly lead them to the life-changing and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because I know that wherever you are on this planet, you're around people who are, going through hopelessness, going through tragedy, facing evil things, facing darkness, that some would even cause them to want to take their own lives. And there's a good God who wants to speak through you to those people to reach them, bring them to salvation. Would you at least take the time to think about it for them? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Father, I pray that the seeds of truth would grow in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, you continue to water those and cause those to grow. Things that are not true, God, I just pray those things just fall to the side. Lord, I thank you for saving us. Thank you for, the, <laughs> for coming to this broken world and rescuing me. Thank you. God, I pray that you put in each of our hearts a passion just to realize that those around us who are asking questions are really looking for, for you. You are the answer to that question. Lord, I pray you give us opportunity to share that this week, and may we uh, be able to, to know that we're doing life with you, not just for you. May we shine bright wherever we find ourselves this week, and may people see you as a result. It's in your name I pray. Amen.